Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Certain things that would help us set in motion that which will not only enhance God's healing anointing within our midst, but also promote our bodily health. So if you would please turn with me in James, the book of James, chapter 2, James chapter 2. And let's see what James has to say about the subject of faith and corresponding actions. We need to understand the fact that if we're going to help people be healed, be delivered, be set free, then there are two important areas we have to deal with. What they believe and their actions. What they believe and their actions. There is the believing part to faith and there is the acting part to faith. And they go hand in hand. And so you see, it's important then that we understand both parts. The believing part and, of course, the acting part. Let's read from James chapter 2 beginning at verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to, to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. In other words, you're halfway there. But you see, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works, or as one translation says, without corresponding actions, is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. That is the covenant friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only? Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Our Father, we thank you for your holy word knowing that it's been tested and tried and found to be trustworthy, faithful, and true. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for the anointing upon our ears to accurately hear what your Word has to say to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you to unveil to us the deep, rich treasures of the Word and to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. As an act of our will, we say we are attentive. We will not be distracted. We will receive, dear Father God, from your Spirit, 
And I thank you personally for utterance in the Holy Ghost and for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to boldly proclaim the truth of your word and demonstration of the spirit of power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the biggest mistakes that many believers make, we've all made it, I'm sure, when it comes to faith and, and healing is that we confess certain things that we believe and we contradict those very things that we say and confess and believe by the way we act, by our actions. In other words, for an example, if we need finances, if we need to pay the bills and we ask the Father for something and we believe that we receive it and say, Father, I thank you, I believe I received my need met, and that very same day or the next day you find yourself sitting somewhere in your home worrying about where you're going to get the money to pay your bills. Well, right there we know or we should know that we violate God's holy word and we violate the law of faith. Because the Bible teaches us that whatever we ask in faith we're to ask without wavering. And the Bible says that whatever we ask in prayer we're to ask without fretting being full of anxiety, worry. Well, obviously, if we are fretting, full of anxiety and worry, our actions. See, if we're complaining, murmuring, if we're upset and we're at turmoil within in our emotions and all that, and we just don't know which way to turn, then we have refuted God's holy word. Our faith has been uprooted. Our faith has not been perfected because our actions did not correspond with our faith. And so, therefore, God's not able to intervene. He's not able to be activated within our affairs. And you see, we can block our source of supply with a roadblock that will prevent Him from manifesting Himself in such a way that he would meet our need. But now what did it? Well, we didn't correspond with our actions. See, we said it, we believed, we received it, but then our actions contradicted what we said. We allowed worry to enter in. How many of you know that if fear enters in, that faith will leave? We see Peter out there walking on the water and we thank God that he's to be commended for every step that he took. Jesus did not commend his faith. I want us all to understand that emphatically. As a matter of fact, I kind of think I'd be upset if I was Peter because he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Well, that little faith that he had was more than the others in the boat. Can you say Amen. It wasn't that he didn't have faith. It was that his faith was not what? Perfected. Let's not get stumped by that word perfected. All it means is matured. It wasn't brought to full maturity because if it was, it would have carried him all the way there and all the way back. But you see, it was violated because of his inability to focus, to continue focusing on what the word said or what Jesus said instead of what his senses were dictating to him as he saw the wind and waves and all that. 
Well, if our actions do not properly correspond with our faith, then see, our faith can wane. It will finally just diminish, get to the point that it's so weak, it cannot allow the full plan of God to be consummated. I'm just positive, absolutely sure, that many times people have released faith in the healing power of God. That power began to flow, but because of a lack of knowledge, that power was not allowed to continue its course of action until the healing process was consummated. And therefore, the person didn't receive their need met. It's not that the power of God was not flowing. It's not that God's healing power was beginning its work. It did begin. It was flowing. But because it wasn't allowed to continue on its course of action, the healing process just was not consummated. And that happens time and time and time and time again. But due to a lack of knowledge, see, we fail to recognize that or we fail to see that. Actually, we can say we abort our faith before it's time, see? It's time of maturity. Now, I want you to see something here. Now, I, I want to use this. I want to use an illustration that I have. But I want also to use this illustration that James had because I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I can't think of another word. My goodness. As I meditated this... I. At first, you just want to just sit back and say, I don't believe how you can, could have done this. But then you say, my goodness, that really helps me to understand what I need to do to perfect my faith. When we talk about corresponding actions, very often you'll find out that people will just act on somebody else's actions. Do you know what I mean by that? They heard brother or sister so-and-so stand up and say, well, I had a tat upon my body and what I did was this. And they proceed to tell what they did. Well, someone else has the same condition within their physical body, so what they do is they go home and do the same thing. In other words, they just try to copy somebody else to do something that somebody else did, thinking they should get the same results that that person did. Well, you see, there's a whole lot more to it than, than just that. You can't do what somebody else did. You cannot copy somebody else's actions when it comes to your own individual life. That person may have been led by the Spirit of God to do exactly what they did. Maybe it was unconscious. Maybe they were totally aware of it. No matter what the case is, they still did what they were led by the Spirit of God to do. And consequently, they were delivered and set free. Now, if you go home and just try to do something that somebody else did, you're acting not on faith. So your actions are not in line with what you truly believe from your heart. But you're just acting out of inspiration. That person's faith inspired you and you're acting out of inspiration. And we'll go and try it or we'll go and do it. For another example, we hear people all the time go up to Krishna Assembly. They're having a healing meeting on Sunday night, this particular Sunday night. I went up there. I got delivered. I got set free. Why don't you just go ahead and go too? Well, see, they come inspired by somebody else. And when they get here, instead of accurately hearing what the Word has to say on the subject and truly desiring to know what the Word has to say on the subject, they just expect to get healed because somebody else did. That really is the basis for their faith. That's why they believe, because they heard somebody else got healed. 
Well, it's okay to hear somebody else got healed, but you see, faith for healing doesn't come by hearing that somebody else got healed. It comes by hearing what God's Word has to say on the subject. That's how it comes. Amen? That's how it comes. It comes by hearing what the Word has to say. Well, you say, I don't have all that interest as far as finding out what God's Word has to say on the subject. I just want to be well in my body. Well, if you're not interested what God's Word has to say, you're not interested in getting healed by divine means. Because the primary way that God heals His people is through His Word. The Bible says He sent His Word in what? Healed us and delivered us from our afflictions. So, you see, we have to know what God's Word has to say on the subject. People came to hear Jesus... And be healed of their diseases. Uh, for an example, now see, I was one of these adventures I take sometimes at night jogging. You know, sometimes I do that. If I don't have time during the day, it's late at night, especially in the wintertime when it gets dark so quick. And I just get out there on the street and just jog. And I was jogging one night with this other individual, and I was being careful, you know, watching, trying to watch everything. Well, a car came around the bend, and you've got to be very careful and get off to the side of the road. Well, I didn't notice that uh, right there, it was dark and, and uh, shadow, there was a shadow there. The side of the road, you know, was up, one side was down. And I just came down on my left foot and I just hit, the middle of my foot hit the crack and twisted just like that. I mean to tell you, that thing twisted so bad, Whew. hurt. People think that you're not human. You know, I'm human just like you're human. People think you don't have to fight the good fight of faith that you've been anointed to live the life. I've not been anointed to live the life. I guarantee you that foot hurt just as bad as anybody else's foot would have hurt in this place. And I mean to tell you, it was twisted. I mean, yeah, I mean, it went all the way down. I can hear it crack, crunch. And I felt it. I took about three steps on my right foot and just left, left foot up. And I just did what I know to do. Sometimes, I, you know, if you look at yourself and the things that you do in faith, sometimes you think you're crazy yourself. <laughs> I admit it. I mean, sometimes you think, this, this fellow is just absolutely nuts. He's crazy. What's he doing? You know, I think when my daughter fell, and instead of taking her to a hospital, to a doctor, whatever, we just believe God. Sounds like you're crazy. But you know what? I'd rather be crazy in love with Jesus and the Word of God than anything else. How about you? But what I'm saying is sometimes your actions seem crazy. But you know what? They're not, as far as I'm concerned, I've been to the hospital many times. They're no crazier than what to tell people to do after they've been operated on. All cut open and everything sewed back together. Get up and do six sit-ups. My goodness. Think about it. Think about it. Isn't that what they do? Well, the first thing you've got to do is just get out of bed and start running around. At least walk. Take a shower. I don't want to move. That's the best thing for you. This guy's crazy. My body hurts. He wants me to get up and go take a shower. He wants me to do some exercises. What's the matter with this fella? That's the best thing for you. Amen. Don't be immobile. Get out there and do something. Well, I just did what I knew to do. Kept jogging. In the name of Jesus. And I said, in Jesus' name. I rebuked that thing in Jesus' name. I believe I received my healing. I thank you, dear Father God. I thank you. I bless you. I glorify you. I tell you what, it didn't take any effort to do it either because I was in pain. I mean pain. The fellow I was jogging says, why don't you stop? I said, no, forget it. I'm just going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray in tongues. Praise God. And just praise him and bless him and thank him. Hallelujah. You know that I believe I received my healing. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. I, I continue jogging every day thereafter. 
Now, I would advise you to do this because your body is your body. My body is my body. You can't act on what I did or what I know. And I can't, you know, I wouldn't expect you to act on what I, what I act on or what I know. But I just knew that if God's word says I'm healed, then I'm healed. And you know what? If you're healed, then you don't stop jogging. You just keep right on going. Now, you say, was it sore? Absolutely. Absolutely it was sore. Wouldn't yours be? I mean, to tell you, quite frank about it, I mean, I, tore, I know I tore the ligaments, without a doubt. I mean, I've done that before, where you're just a little bit, but I'm telling you, this was the ultimate. I mean, at first I thought, well, you know, do I have to bleed for a bone to be healed or whatever? But I just knew that it was bad. But once again, very quickly, you know, just, just acted on the Word of God, said, Father, I thank you in Jesus' holy name that I'm well, I'm whole. I'm not even going to consider it. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Continued my jog home. Like I said, the next day it was swollen up and sore, but I just went out there on the track and said, I thank you, dear Father God. I believe I received my healing, and I thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. I'm just going to go ahead and jog. Yeah, sure. Were you limping a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. But I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at what the Word said. I said I wasn't looking at my foot. I was looking at what the Word said. I wasn't looking at my ankle. I was looking at what the Word said. Amen. Just kept right on going. It would loosen up. Yeah, it would hurt that night, but praise God, I just kept on looking what the Word said. Actions that correspond with faith. You just can't say it and just that's it. And once again, I, this is why faith is difficult to teach because you can't tell another person what to do, what they should do or what they should not do because they end up acting not on their faith and they end up acting as they're inspired by you. And see, you can't tell somebody else what to do. As much as we would like to tell someone what to do, we can't do that. Now, had the Lord spoken unto me and said, I want you to stay off that foot today. Well, I would have obeyed him. See, sometimes I think we don't recognize or realize the fact that he's our father. And we have intimacy with him. And we can communicate. And he can communicate, and we're both intelligent beings. He's more intelligent, of course. But he can communicate his thoughts to us, can he? If he just said, look, son, I want you to stay off that foot, I said, yes, sir. I'll do that. But you know what? As long as I have your holy written word that says, with the stripes I'm healed, I'm just going to go ahead and act on it. Just keep right on going. Amen. I can't remember when it left. I just can't, I've, I've been going ever since. I just can't remember when it left. But all I know is I'm totally healed. Totally healed. See, then you try to tell somebody to do that, and you see, it just doesn't work. The thing that they get inside their thinking is, oh, if you twist your ankle, just keep jogging. No, that's not the point. I was acting on something I knew in my heart, something I believed dearly, a truth that I embraced within my spirit. I don't know that someone else embraces that truth as much as I would or somebody else would. You don't know where they're coming from spiritually, so you just can't say, do this. This is an act of faith. Because, you see, it can be, and it possibly will be, not an act of faith, but an act of foolishness for that person to do the same thing I did if they don't have in them, see, what I had in me at the time that happened. And believe me, there are many times that the enemy would like to attack us when we're not prepared for the attack. So that's just a thought concerning acting out our faith when it comes to the healing of our physical body. See, many times people just... Once again, use half, half of what pertains to faith. I believe. But there's more than just believing. For our faith to come to full maturity, 
for the healing process to be consummated, there must be corresponding actions that go along with our faith. And we see this illustrated here in the Word of God. Now, I'll tell you, we've got to look through this. This is so exciting. I want you to see that James uses Abraham as his way of illustrating this truth. In verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Now, what I want us to do is to go back to the book of Genesis, and let's take a look at that episode in the life of Abraham and Isaac. And let's learn from what happened here. I believe a truth can be enlarged within our hearts that we've already embraced, but it's just going to be enlarged in our hearts as we review what happened here once again. James is talking about faith must have actions that correspond with it. Otherwise, the faith is, of the person is dead. It's dormant. It's there. It's not that it's non-existent, but it's just dormant. It's not productive. It's not producing as it should. It ceases to produce after a while because it wanes and diminishes because there are not corresponding actions. You've heard the statement, keep the switch of faith turned on. Well, what keeps the switch of faith turned on? Our actions keep the, keep the switch of faith turned on. The things that we say and also the things that we do after we have released our faith. Now, you notice here in Genesis chapter 22, it came to pass in verse 1, after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Underline that statement. It's extremely important. Notice what he says. He's... Under the impression, he knows he's going up there to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. He's going to kill him. And he says, you wait here and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. But now notice this, and come again to you. Do you see that? That's his faith speaking. Was he just aimlessly using words? No. I want you to know something. Before he ever made that statement, before he ever said those words, he already had something in his heart. And we're going to see what it is, but I want you to understand that he had something inside of his heart. His words were based upon a solid foundation, based upon solid ground. And Abraham, in verse 6, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And that's prophetic. 
So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him up on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Now I want you to turn with me, keep those thoughts in mind, to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Book of Hebrews chapter 11. Here we have the full revelation of what was taking place in the life of Abraham when he was carrying out his actions of faith. Now, I understand that we have to walk in faith and correspond with our actions. But, beloved, I would have to swallow very hard if God required of me that the actions that would correspond with my faith would be that of offering my son as a sacrifice upon the altar. That, to me, is a hard thing to do. Yet, God asked it of Abraham. And James said that Abraham's actions corresponded with his faith. The actions, of course, were taking him up there, Gathering the wood, getting ready for the fire, laying upon the altar of sacrifice, and getting the knife, and just about to kill him. And beloved, as sure as I'm standing here right before you tonight, had that angel not appeared unto him, he would have killed him. Look at the scripture in verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, proven, or tested, offered up Isaac... And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now notice the word accounting. Underline it, highlight it. That God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And underline the word figure. Accounting and figure. The reason why Abraham told those who were with him that I and the lad will return to you is found right here. He made a bold confession of his faith because he believed with every part of his being that he and the lad would return. He had no doubt within his mind regardless if Isaac died he would be back with Isaac to greet them and to meet them once again. How can a person be so, so sure? Well, here's how. The word accounting means to take an inventory. In other words, he collected all the data, gathered all the information, began to Think things through and meditate upon what God said concerning Isaac as being the seed. And also about what God said about offering upon 
the altar of sacrifice. He thought it through. He rehearsed it in his mind. He had the ability to look into both what God said first about Isaac and what God asked him to do with Isaac. Separated the two and came to a conclusion. And he concluded that God is not a man to lie, nor the Son of Man to repent. The Scripture said right there, now notice here in verse 18, of whom it was said, if God said it, what will He do? Make it good. What was said? It was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. How can his seed be called in Isaac if Isaac has no seed? If Isaac is dead, he has no seed. How can his seed be called in Isaac? He collected all that information. He weighed it out in his mind. He meditated the Word of God. He placed them side by side. And that's exactly what that word figure means here. It's the word that's also translated parable elsewhere in the Bible. It means to place one thing beside another for comparison. To place one thing beside another for comparison. And so, that's exactly what he did. He placed one thing beside the other. The word that said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also, the command that said, Offer Isaac upon the altar of sacrifice, thine only son. And he began to rehearse those things. He began to meditate those things. He took account of those things. He began to look into those things. Beloved, mark this down. This is what separates the men from the boys. This is what determines strong or weak faith. In order to have strong faith, we must have the ability... To look at things that do not appear. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And Abraham had that ability. Are you ready for this? It'll bless your heart. He saw that God couldn't lie. He saw that what God says is. And God said before he asked him to offer up Isaac that... His seed would be called in Isaac, and that Isaac had to have seed upon the earth. He rehearsed that in his thinking. He had the ability to place one beside the other and recognize that if he had to kill Isaac, that would only be temporal. What he said first was eternal. What he said second would be temporal. He placed one beside the other and said, You cannot go back on your word. If I kill him, you've got to raise him from the dead. Look at what it said. Accounting, in verse 19, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now notice, from whence also he received him. In other words, as far as he's concerned, he's already received them, raised up. 
He placed one thought beside the other, meditated upon it, both of them, and inside himself, he saw the end result. That if he killed Isaac upon the altar of sacrifice, then the father had to, beyond any doubt in his heart or mind, God had to raise him from the dead or become a liar. Now, beloved, I don't know about you, but that would make me swallow hard. If those were the actions required of me to correspond to my faith, what about you? To go that far as he did. And I tell you, as sure as I'm standing here right now, he would have killed him. And if it would have resulted in that, if it would have resulted in his death, God would have raised him from the dead. And it was a type, of course, of Christ being raised up from the dead. And didn't the Father raise Jesus from the dead? Wasn't this a figure of that? Of course, he stopped him short and said, don't do it. I've got to sacrifice just what Abraham said. So what I'm saying is this, beloved. He spoke it out and said it. He said, I and the lad will be back. Now, how can you be so sure of that if you're going to kill him? Well, I've done inventory. I've taken account of all things. I've rehearsed it within my thinking faculties, within my spirit. And I've concluded only one thing. That God has got to honor His Word, to the, even to the degree of raising my son from the dead, if need be. His actions corresponded with what he believed. He was justified. His faith was perfected, brought to full maturity. And in the sight of God, he gained recognition as being his friend. God commended him for that type of faith. Said, you're my friend. Well, he just loved the kind of faith that he had. Well, I want to read to you some translations here from, go back to James. The book of James, chapter 2, once again. I want to read Weymouth's translation of verse 14. James 2.14 and also 22. Now in the King James it says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? In Weymouth's translation it says, What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith and yet his actions do not correspond? In verse 22 in the King James it says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was, his, was faith made perfect? In Weymouth it says, You notice that his faith was cooperating with his actions... And by his actions, his faith was perfected. Look how close these two are connected in verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without corresponding actions is dead also. How many of you know that when the spirit and soul leave the physical body, that that body is dead? And that body, although it may still be there, is not going to be cooperating with you. It's not going to be doing anything. It's not going to be productive. It's not going to produce any good works. It's not going to say anything. Why? Because the spirit and soul have left. And that's what gave action. 
That's what allowed it to have a voice in the earth, to express itself. Well, in verse 26, for as the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from its works of obedience is also dead or lifeless or non-productive. So you see, on one hand we say, well, I believe. Good. That's halfway there. Because the scripture says the devils also believe, but they can't act on that. Do you ever think about that? Don't you think that the devils know or believe that God's God? Don't you think that they believe that Jesus is Jesus and that Jesus was raised up from the dead? They better believe it. They saw him. Are you ready for this? They can't be saved because they can't act on it. They can't, they can't be saved because they can't act on it. They can't act on it. And without the ability to act upon the Word of God, act upon our faith, then our faith is lifeless, it's non-productive, it can't produce anything. And that's why it is important, my brother and sister, for us to do or to take our own inventory of things. This is what has given faith, the, bad, the faith message, the bad name. People were not following all the steps. They were not doing what was necessary to have their own individual faith within their heart by looking into what the Word has to say, weighing out the situation, coming to a conclusion after meditating through it all, finally deciding that what God says is, therefore, they are going to do this based on the fact that they believe in their heart that God has got to honor what they are doing. Abraham did that very thing. We cannot take inventory for one another. We cannot make spiritual comparisons, comparisons for one another. Our ability to look into the realm of the Spirit to gain this kind of insight through comparison is what separates those that have strong faith from those that have weak faith. And we cannot do this for one another. See, we cannot gain that kind of perception for one another. And that's why it's wrong for us to say, you should do this because so-and-so did it. Every time you hear me teach about when my daughter fell 10 feet, and you know the tragedy, I've shared it many times, and she was in that awful state, you hear me teach that, you always, always hear me say, you don't do what I did. If your daughter fell, you don't do that if you're basing what you're doing on what I did. But if you have taken spiritual inventory, if you have made a contrast, a comparison, you placed one beside the other, what happened here and what God said here, then you concluded that God cannot lie and He must watch over His Word to perform it, to make it good. Then you have a solid ground, a solid foundation upon which to base your faith, solid ground to stand upon, and you can stand and be assured within your heart that as you act 
without your faith, God has got to watch over the Word to make it good on your behalf. That's what I did when I kept jogging. It wasn't just based on foolishness. It was based on something that I knew inside my heart. Now, see, I do this all the time. But sometimes I think once you get operating in this thing, you just take it so lightly, you don't think about what you're doing. But you just begin to do it unconsciously. You know the best kind of faith to have is unconscious faith? Did you know that? Well, you said, well, what do you mean by unconscious faith? Every time you walk into a bank and you give them your entire paycheck that you work for all week long and put it down there and say, here it is. That's an unconscious act of faith. Because you're going to turn around and walk away from that bank and you're going to believe that when you come back, there'll be money in there for you to get out. And then they're just going to take it and just walk away from it. Take it with them. See, we unconsciously use our faith to write out a check, believing that the bank will honor that check and the people will be paid. See, that is unconsciously acting out our faith. And beloved, we do not make up actions when it comes to believing God. Once again, this is what has given faith a bad name. This is what has caused people to turn away from it. For an example, I can't tell you what to do unless God gave me divine revelation as to what you should do to consummate the healing process in your life. Now, many would want you to do that, but beloved, I can't do that unless God would give divine revelation. Example, Naaman the leper comes to Elijah the prophet. His servant is sent out and he is divinely instructed, that is by the Lord through Elijah the prophet, to go dip in the river Jordan seven times. His actions, which of course he didn't act out first, in other words, what he should have done, his actions, what he was to do, would have been based on divine revelation. The Spirit of God told him to tell him to do that. That came from God Himself. And if Naaman would have done it, he would have been healed. And at first he did not do it. He would not act upon what was said. And he began to walk away until his servant enlightened him, gave him a little bit of counsel and wisdom, he turned around and went back to the River Jordan and dipped seven times. Now, he acted on the word that came from the Lord. His actions corresponded with the word that was spoken. And the result was he was healed in his physical body. But you know what? You can't tell any other leper over there in that region to go dip in that River Jordan seven times and expect them to come out clean. It's just not going to happen. That was divine revelation that came... Specifically for that one person. When Jesus told the blind man to go wash in the pool of Siloam, he was getting him to act upon what he believed. He was also revealing this truth that people must act upon what they believe so that their actions can perfect their faith. And we see that when that man acted on the words of Jesus and went and washed his eyes, that he washed the ointment off of his eyes that Jesus anointed him with, his faith was perfected and he came back seeing. Now, on the other hand, let's say it like this. Here is another illustration. We have the woman with the issue of blood. 
You can't copy her actions or do what she did. She did what she did because on the inside of her, faith arose in her heart. She believed so strongly within herself that if she could just touch but the hem of his garment, and those were her words of faith, her confession of faith. If I can touch his garment, I'll be whole. She would not have been whole if she didn't act out her faith. But you see, someone else can't do what she did. At least, I'm talking about go touch the hem of Jesus' garment. For one thing, he's not here right now. So you can't do that. You can do it spiritually, but you can't do it in, in, in the physical realm. But this woman had faith on the inside of her heart. And so what she did, she acted upon what she believed. She was acting out her faith to the letter, just like Abraham did. And I'm sure she took inventory. Do you know why I'm sure? Because she had a lot of hurdles to jump over. A lot of roadblocks to get out of the way. But she made her comparison. She took inventory. I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm unclean. I know I'm not supposed to mingle with the people. And she began to take inventory. She began to see or to vision, envision. She began to see herself acting out her faith. She began to see herself with the end result. I touch him, I'll be whole. And she began to see that. She made her comparison. And as far as she was concerned, there's no other course of action to take. I am going to act this thing out. I will touch the heavenless garment. It doesn't matter who's in my way. And can you imagine when the opposition came? When she was there with the crowd, with the multitude, with Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and it was against her belief to do what she did? It didn't matter to her. She already had it figured out. She took the inventory. She's going to carry it through all the way unto the end. And God will honor His Word through Jesus. And beloved, she carried out her actions of faith and she received her need met. Had she not done it, her belief alone would not have been enough for her to receive her need met. So once again, no matter who we are, no matter what the need may be, no matter what the condition is, thank God that we can believe and we have a solid foundation for our faith. We can believe. But if we only believe, we're going to come up short if we don't act out our faith. But before we can act out our faith, we better interact with God. We better weigh this out within our hearts and minds. We better take our own personal inventory and set things one beside the other and see them through all the way to the end and then conclude what we are going to do. And if we will do that, and if we will conclude by God's holy word that He must do what He said He was going to do, no matter what the appearance looks like, no matter what circumstances dictate, when you gain that assurance inside your heart, and you act upon that which you believe, then your actions are corresponding with your faith, and God will meet you every time. Beloved, I'm saying it, God will meet us every time. God, our Father, will meet us every time. And our needs will be met. Now, let's, let's look at another scripture here. Well, we've got so many along these lines. How much... Praise God. 
you're, you're right there. So let's take this one. It's a very good scripture. In James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 22. So let's look at verse 21 and 22. And I'll quote the others. Specific actions can be taken if we have divine revelation. In other words, take up your bed and walk. What are you going to do? You can take up your bed and walk if you have faith. Didn't Jesus, Jesus say that to a few people? Didn't He say, take up thy bed and walk? Aren't those actions? Take up thy bed and walk. What are you going to do? Take it up and walk. You know, if you go to try to tell that somebody without divine revelation or divine instruction, that person's not going to take up his bed and walk. Sometimes they'll try to tell people to do this. Get out of that wheelchair. Beloved, these are serious things. Get out of that wheelchair. Rise up, I tell you. But now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was that God? Was that divine revelation? Divine instruction? See, our, our primary method to get people healed is to get them the Word of God so that they can make their comparison. So they can have insight. So they can have a foundation for faith. And when we give them the truth of God's holy Word, if we have the, the revelation that says, or if we have the the prodding of the Spirit that says to tell that person to rise up and walk. We can do it. But I'll tell you this. If that person gets a hold of faith, gets a hold of the Word, takes inventory, makes the comparison, and says, Glory to God, I've got to get out of this thing and walk, or God becomes a liar, and then jumps out, shouting, glorifying God, magnifying God, I guarantee you God will meet him. I said, God will meet him. See, we've got to be learned, taught schooled in these things. We have to understand these things. We have to learn these truths. Because we don't just operate in these things. We are led by the Spirit of God to operate in many of these things. When it comes to specifics like that, we have to be divinely led. But I'll tell you something. There, there's right, something right here in this scripture that just bless your heart. Whenever the, the circumstances of life dictate defeat, the storms of life that come to us all dictate that we're going to be overcome, whether it's in our bodies, our minds, or whatever. If we've had our minds renewed to what the Word of God says by verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, receive what meekness and graft a word that's able to save your soul or to deliver you from your corrupt reasoning faculties. I like to couple that with James 3 that says, Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to an understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him, He'll direct your paths. Are you ready for this? In other words, if we are to take a certain course of action to consummate the healing process within our lives, we can trust Him with all of our hearts and lean not to our own understanding and acknowledge Him in our ways. And what will He do? Direct the course of action that we are to take. If He gives us no specific course of action that we are to take, like take up your bed and walk, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam, Go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for testimony unto them. If he doesn't say that, are you ready? 
We can always look at James 1.22 and say, My mind's been renewed to the Word of God. I'm delivered from my corrupt reasoning faculties. God's Word is truth. His words are implanted within my heart. I've received the engrafted Word. I'm delivered from my corrupt reasoning faculties. And God's Word is laws inside me. But be doers of the Word. In other words, be ye those who act upon the Word. Let your actions correspond to what the Word said. Now, what do you mean by that? Explain yourself. I'm glad you asked that. Whenever we are attacked by the hand of the enemy, what does the Word say that we are to do? What course of action are we to take? Resist the devil and he will what? You know what? I can do that Because I have the general revealed will of God. And specifically in some areas, I know exactly what to do. And you know what? When pain began to shoot through my ankle and rise up through my leg, you know what I said? What course of action I took? I resist you pain in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For with His stripes, I am healed. Now, once again, see, I can't tell someone else to do that because it depends on their foundation. Jesus said, when the storms of life come, those who are going to be successful are those who do what? Who lay the foundation of their lives upon solid ground, upon the Word, being a doer of the Word. Didn't Jesus say, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? I say it like this. If we'll start doing what the Word has to say, I believe the Spirit of God will come along and tell us to do some other things. Specifics. Like do this or do that. Amen. We can be doers of God's holy word and not hearers only. Our actions must correspond with our faith, with what we believe. If we base our faith upon what God's word has to say about the situation that we're involved in, and if we take a hold of that word and make our contrast and take inventory and conclude beyond any shadow of a doubt like Abraham did that God has to do this, then we can act out our faith with the assurance that God will do what? He'll watch over His Word that we're acting upon and make it good on our behalf. Can you say amen? Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, You're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.